Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. So we're in this series, and uh, it's actually the very first week of the series called Be About It. Turn to the person beside you say, Be About It. Say it with a little bit of attitude, say, Be About It. And you say, Hold up. I was at church last week or the week before, and uh, I heard this statement used. True. It's true. It was, was the theme of a message a couple weeks ago, and, and it, it is just becoming more than the theme of a singular message. It is becoming the theme of the season that we're in. And so on visions, not just talk about it, just think about it, but put action to, to what we believe. And today we are, are launching into a full series. All month long, we're going to talk about what it is to be about it. This week, I had the opportunity to go to three different live sporting events. Anyone like, like going to, to sporting events? We have as many yeses as those in the room. That's me. Here's the cool thing. You know, I, I think as humans, we have uh, what I would call actually like a bit of a, a need for entertainment of some sort. Like put a group of people in society anywhere in the world, they will find something that they find entertaining, whether it's uh, watching people perform plays, watching people perform sports. In some series, uh, in times in histories, it's actually been watched together in a ring, and it's called the UFC. And uh, like, like we we find ways to be entertained. I love going to I love going to sporting events. I love the atmosphere. I love the energy in the room. Uh, I really love it when it's it's a team that I, I care about. And so this week I went to three different sporting events. First one was uh, was a Toronto Raptors game. Okay, I was in Toronto, went to a Raptors game. Any, any Raptors fans in the house? Yep, yep, <laughs> sounds about right, sounds about right. The funny thing is you asked that a couple months ago and everyone's like, yeah, like they're so passionate about the Raptors. Basketball, I know what it is now. And, uh, and so I was at a Raptors game, was in Toronto, and uh, Justin Schwab, who led worship today, how good was Justin this morning? Come on, let's give it up. <laughs> Unbelievable. He was, uh, he was with me. We were at a conference, and we, we said, let's stay the rest of the day so we can catch the Raps tonight. And so we went to a Raptors game, and, and I found myself, like, I'm not personally a Raptors fan. I'm a Lakers fan. And so I found myself at the Raptors game reading articles about the Lakers. I'm in the, I'm in the room, but not of the room. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm there, but, but I, I'm thinking about, about something and somewhere else. But here's what happened. That over the course of time, I found myself caught up in the moment. You ever been there? Like I was just kind of caught up in the atmosphere. It's something being in a room with 20,000 people who were all so excited about the same thing. And, and so I found myself cheering for, for a team that doesn't necessarily have my, my adamant followership. But, but you know what? I can cheer for them in this moment. And I found myself caught up in, in the atmosphere. I was so excited that I was even cheering on the Jumbotron when the Tim Hortons Cups were playing. You know, what, what's that game? We're like, which one has the, the cappuccino in it? And we're like, it's number two. And then someone won a $100 gift card from Tim Hortons. And we're like, yes. It was unbelievable. You get caught up in the moment. I got excited at the halftime show when there was a Filipino basketball league of children playing basketball right there in, in the Scotiabank Center. And, and, and the guys in front of us who were from the Philippines, they were all like, this is better than the game. Like they were loving the moment. I just got caught up in the atmosphere. Went to another sporting event this week, another live sporting event. It was, it's called the BC Lions game. Yep, that's about as loud as I expected it might be in this room. We got any BC Lions fans in the house? Okay. 
And uh, I went because I was given a free ticket. <laughs> and it still might have cost me too much. Uh, I looked around the room, and, and the room was not that full. It, uh, I could tell the orange was the color of the team, not because people were wearing the jerseys, but because the seat backs are orange, and there was a lot of empty seats in the house. Now, this has not been the Lions' season. Truth be told, there, that, like I, I can find myself cheering for the Lions. They're our home team, and I, I love cheering for Vancouver-based sports teams, but, but this has not been the Lions' year. And I wouldn't follow it close enough to know every nuance of the, the way the team deals and the way the team handles their business. But I know this has not been our year. We're not even making the playoffs in a league where six teams out of nine make the playoffs. Okay, it's been a rough year. And I looked in, in, in front of me. There was a group of people who, by every indication, were diehard. They had jerseys. They had hats on. They had scarves that said Lions. When Crazy P came with his drums, they were clapping along to all, all the little, you know, play, plays on, on word, let's go Lions. Some of them had like, like Vuvuzela-style horns. They were making some noise. But when the game came to an end and it ended in a, a loss, I, I watched two guys completely decked out from head to toe in Lions gear. One said to the other as he was passing me by, he said this, well, that's one way to make an already wasted time more of a waste. And the other guy said, yep, that's the Lions season right in a nutshell. And they walked out frustrated and kind of irritated and, and, and definitely underwhelmed. Went to a third sporting event this week. And uh, the third sporting event was appropriate for a few of you to answer that you are a fan of Great Egg Girls Volleyball. And, uh, and it, was, uh, it was most important to me because my daughter, who's in grade eight, was playing volleyball in this tournament. And I am a diehard Sir Winston Churchill Bulldogs fan. And you cannot be anywhere in that room without hearing what I feel about my Bulldogs. I'm making noise. I know the players' names. I know their tendencies. I know the ones that need a cheer. I know the ones that, like, I am in it. I am holding that ref accountable, you know. <laughs> that grade 11 student who's getting their leadership points, they better earn them. You know, I am in it to win. We came second in the tournament. Three different sporting events, three different atmospheres. When I challenge us as a church to be about it, I am not asking for us to experience what I experienced at a Raptors game. I'm not saying we're going to create environments that get you caught up in the electricity and you won't even know why. You'll just find yourself cheering for someone winning a Tim Hortons gift card. Like, I think too many people approach faith that way. They try to get in environments that stimulate their excitement. And then in that stimulation and that excitement, like, I, I'm feeling something. Don't know what it is, but I kind of like it. But that's not the type of faith for a person who wants to be about it. I am not subscribing that, that we take on the approach that I saw in the BC Lions game. Where it's just, let's, let's get the look on the outside. Let's get the hat. Let's get the jersey. Let's get the scarf. Let's, let's learn the lyric. Let's play the part. Let's blow the vuvuzela. But on the inside, that we don't really feel anything. I think too many people look at faith or religion in that sort of way. We're like, I'm playing the part. I'm doing the things. I'm, I, I'm, I'm part of the wave, but I feel nothing. What I'm subscribing to, what I'm asking us to, to, to take hold of is to be about it, is, is to be a Bulldogs fan. 
where I'm in it, my heart is in it. I can't help but get up on my feet. I can't help to cheer. I can't help myself but be excited because my, my love and affection is represented in what's taking place. Do you know, the Bible would say this in the book of James, that faith requires action. You could put it this way. Faith plus action equals faith. Or in other words, faith that never acts out on its faith was never actually faith. Like like faith, you see, Raptors game, that was just feeling. I, 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 I didn't really care who won. I found myself saying to people like, oh, who are you cheering for? I'm like, I honestly just want to see a good game. Or see someone win Tim Horton's gift cards. Or have fun reading articles about the Lakers while I'm here. But, but, I, but I felt something. The type of faith that, or the type of fandom that I saw at the BC Lions game wasn't, wasn't even feeling. It was just fashion. Just people repping. Not actually changing their emotions. Not actually changing their actions in any sort of way. Just, just kind of repping the gear. But, but what I experienced at the, at the Bulldogs game. That was the type of faith that got me off, off my feet. That was the type of faith that led me to say something. And the Bible says this, faith requires action. The things we believe to be true about God actually are seen evidently in the way we live out our life. I believe this, that every person lives on the foundation of their theology. Every person on the planet lives based on what they believe to be true about God. If they think that God is an angry, greedy miser with a long white beard and an even longer pointy finger who's pointing out all their flaws, people live in the shadows. People live in hiding for fear of being seen for who they really are because they know that God disapproves. People who live thinking that God is mysterious and unknowable and unsearchable live with a, a sense of emptiness in their heart that this God is so distant I could never really be known. But the God I see in the Bible, the God who has revealed himself to me in the person of Jesus Christ, the God who I have a relationship with, like I, I believe not just because, because uh, it's a cognitive exercise today. Today I want to I share a message with you. It's entitled Stay Standing. Turn to the person beside you and say, Stay Standing. Turn to the person on the other side and say, I'm not standing. <laughs> How can I stay standing? I'm not standing. Good point, good point, good point. Let me tell you a story, and it comes out of the book of Daniel chapter 3. This, this story is about a couple of young men who stayed standing when it would have been more comfortable to bow. Daniel chapter 3 is a story of, of, of three men. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You might have heard this story, but before I get, I get too deep into it, you need to know that wasn't even their birth names. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were three young men from, from a, a region of the world, a city called Jerusalem. And, and Jerusalem had been uh, put into captivity and annexed by the, the empire known as Babylon, an empire led by a, a dictator who had no care or concern for humanity only for his own fame and glory. And, and the custom of the Babylonians was not only to take captivity of a nation, but to actually strip it of its dignity as well and to, to pull people out of the place they called home, require them to come to the city where they could learn and be indoctrinated on the ways of the Babylonians. But not just any people. The Bible says it was the ones who were, were handsome and without flaw and without fault and who were smart and intelligent and intellectual and who were young and malleable. And so we see three young men who were taken out of their home into an uncomfortable place. Like this is a low point in their life. And in that low point in their life, they get given new names. You see, their names were actually different. The first one, his name was Hananiah. 
Hananiah means God has favored. Hananiah, his whole life, he grew up, and every time his mom called him, he was reminded the favor of God that was on his life. That's what his name actually meant. But the new name he was given was this, Shadrach, the great scribe. His value and identity was reduced simply to the thing that he was capable of doing. You know, I think the reason I point this out is because for each one of us, when we're at our lowest point, is often where the enemy of our soul tries to label us. When we're at our weakest, that's where the devil tries to put a label on your life. Like you make a mistake, you lose your temper, and then there's this label put upon you, this guy's out of control. You walk through a season where you're struggling addiction, and a label goes on you, this guy, this girl, they're, they're lower than. You're known by, not by your friends, but by yourself. You begin to call yourself the name that you were labeled with in your lowest point. So Hananiah, God has shown favor upon you. You're incredible, was reduced simply to what he did. And there's some in the room that the only value you see in yourself is the way you perform. The only value you place on yourself is the thing you're able to do well. The thing you're known by is simply your productivity. That's not the way God intends it. Michelle, his name this, the the, the name Michelle, his name means this. Who is what God is? Check that out. That's even hard to say. Who is what God is? Like, like Michelle's mama really loved him. He was born, and, and, and she looked at him, and she's like, oh, my God. Who is as good as God? Like, who is what God is? How could God entrust me and bless me with someone like this? Who is what God is? Like, every time he was called and referred to, it was this reminder of how great God is. There's no one like him. But Michelle, when put into his lowest point, a place of discomfort, a place of some, we are reduced to simply who we know. In our low point, the only thing we feel like we have going for us is not who we are, but just who we know, just who we associate with, just, just, just the friends we have, just the connections we've made. And maybe in the industry you're in, you've even been told, this industry has nothing to do with what you know, just who you know. It has nothing to do with what you can do, just who you know. And, and you've been reduced to your contact section on your iPhone. I am only who I know. And they do not call me back right now. And I'm hitting them up, but but I don't know. Maybe they changed their number. I'm getting a whole bunch of who dis. <laughs> and I have been reduced simply to who I know. Number three, the third, third young man, his name is Azariah, which means God has helped. But Azariah, in his moment of weakness, in his low point, was reduced to Abednego, which means the servant of Nebo. Nebo was a pagan god. In other words, he was reduced to a comparison where he came out on the bottom end. For some, in your lowest point, you are reduced to the comparison that you make with others, and you come out weaker than, and you come out less than, and you come out poorer than or less skilled than, and so you think the only thing that you're known for is how you don't compare well to others, reduced in comparison. So here we see Ananiah, or Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, reduced to what you do, who you know, and how poorly you compare to those around you. And in that context, let's look at this story. Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to read it all for you. There's one section I'll point out in just a moment on the screen, but let me just read you this story. It's a story with some repetition, so bear with me. Daniel chapter 3. This story, it begins with the evil dictator, Nebuchadnezzar, who has a new plan. 
Verse 1 says this, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold that was 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, or in other words, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before. Can someone say stood? Then the herald, not someone named herald, someone with the job of heralding, shouting, the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horns, flutes, zithers, lyres, harps, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horns, flutes, zithers, lyres, harps, and all kinds of music, all the nations and all the people of every language fell down, and they worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward, and they denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Now, if you ever get a chance to speak to someone of royalty, that's probably a great way to start your conversation. May the king live forever. He's like, I like these guys. I like these guys. Like they, they tow the company line real well. May the king live forever, they say. And uh, they go on to say this. Uh, Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kind of music must fall down and worship the gold image. And that whoever does not is going to be thrown into a furnace. But there's some Jews who have set up, and you've set up over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they've paid no attention to your majesty. Neither do they serve your gods nor worship the image of the God you have set up. Furious with rage, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought to the king, and he said to them, Is it true, or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horns, flutes, zithers, lyres, harps, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. But if you don't worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Let me just pause here real, real quick. The frustration that the king had towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was incited by haters. Someone say haters. Everyone likes to think they have haters. I find it's a funny concept. Everyone thinks they have haters. It's like someone asks you a question. They don't hate you. They just wanted to know the answer. They're like, hater. They're like, hey, where'd you get those shoes? Haters. You're like, no, they actually like them. Like, I think we have a suspicion in your sphere of influence. We don't really like you who are looking to, to catch you at your low point, to catch you at, at a most exposable point of view. And there might be the people who at times have loved you and it feels like they've left you. There might be the people who have seen you at your worst and you thought that they held your confidence and now they're using it to their own gain. There might be people who just simply have a prejudice against you. But, but that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story. The king didn't notice them, but, but some haters did. But once it came to the king, the issue... The issue was not what they believed. It's what they did with what they believed. The issue wasn't that they believed in God. The issue was that their belief in God caused them not to bow to the king. Do you know that the, the enemy of our soul, the devil, he doesn't care what we believe, just as long as we don't do anything with it. He doesn't care what we say we believe. He doesn't care what book we claim to read. 
that doesn't care what church we attend or, or what music we listen to or, or how we do it. But if we start to act out our faith, that's when hell shudders. When we start to act out our faith, that's when the, the, there's some furiousness in the enemy. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't bothered by what they believed, by what, but what? By what they did with what they believed. That's the thing that really got them. And the interesting thing is this. I suppose Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have said, in my heart of hearts, God knows what I believe. God knows my heart. You know, like, like, why would I make a big deal over this little 10-minute charade? I can bow. Like, I'm a free person. God knows where I'm really at, and my shoe needed to be tied anyway. Like, like I know in my heart I'm not honoring their God. God knows. But, but instead, they just stood standing. I think unless we're willing to stand for something, we will fall for anything. Unless we're really willing to take a stand for what we believe, we will find ourselves falling for things that we never, ever should have. So here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are un. Bending. They are unwilling to not act out in their faith. They're unwilling to not stand upon what they say they believe. Though they have been labeled by the enemy of their soul in their low point, they still know who their God is. They still know what they believe, and they know that that belief has persuaded them and convinced them that they will not live in syncretism where they say, God knows what I believe, but no one else needs to know. God knows what I feel, but I don't want to make waves right now. Instead, they stand. And check out how they respond to the king. If you could pull that up on the screen, that'd be amazing. Look at this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need, uh, need to our, uh, defend ourselves before you in this matter. I think that's an incredible thing. We don't need to defend ourselves. Truth of the matter is, the faith you're living in, the faith you're walking in, it needs no defense. But that, yet they offer him this little gift. I don't need to defend myself, but let me fill you in on the faith that I hold. They say this. If we're thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty. We will not serve your gods. We will not serve the images of gold that you have set up. The interesting thing taking place here, God is able and God is willing. But even if he doesn't, I know who I am. You know, it's interesting because I read this, and and if I'm not careful, I go, wow, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they lack some faith, you know? They're like, I know God can, and I know God will, but he might not. They're so convicted. God's God's for me, and he's going to move, but but, but he might not. But I've come to to recognize this, that that faith is not a conviction that lives in the absence of doubt. I I think faith, it it always thrives in the environment where where doubt can thrive as well. They're, They're saying this. All I know is this, God is able. God is also willing, and he's going to. But who am I to say I know what God's going to do? All I know is what I'm going to do. All I know is, is who I am. All I know is that even though you call me by my, my skill set, I know I'm favored. Even though you call me just by who I know, I know, like, who is God? But God. You call me by the comparison I, I match up, but I know this, God's my helper. And God is willing, but even if he doesn't, you need to know this. We're not budging. You know, the, the other people who approached the king did so really shrewdly. May the king live forever. These guys, they did not care. They, hey, king, just so you know, we don't need to defend ourselves. Like, you're, you're all good and all. You're our boss, but I don't need to defend what I believe. But I want to give you some insight on what I do believe. God is able. God is willing. And even if he doesn't, I'm still with him. Like, even if he doesn't, still, it's still God over you. I'm still not going to bow. I'm still not going to move. I'm still not going to be bended. 
Now, you, you read this, and you're like, that's a cool story, Pastor. Awesome. You haven't even gotten to the conclu- conclusion yet. It's already pretty graphic and interesting, and there's harps and lyres and zithers. Don't know what they sound like, but it's great. you got some music. But this doesn't apply to my life. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I would venture to guess that you don't have an evil dictator in your world who has a 90-foot statue somewhere that he's requiring you to bow down to. I'm just going to guess that nobody here is triggered by zithers, right? Like, I'm just going to guess. But, but here's what I do know. We all do have ominous figures in our life that, that are constantly triggering us to bow to them. We all have ominous, daunting, dominating figures that if we're not careful, we give our praise and affection and worship to. And so we say, yes, I trust God, but in an instant like this, I, I just got triggered. I got to bow my knee. I just heard the music play. I got to I gotta bow my knee. Let me give you some examples. This isn't a comprehensive list, but let me give you some examples. Number one, arrogance. We say, oh, God, there's no one above him. There's no one beside him. I'm with him. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I, I, I trust in God. But in moments where we feel like we're under attack, arrogance rises up. And so instead of trusting that, that God's our provider, we're like, oh, man, I am going to crush. I am going to dominate. And we bow at the statue known as arrogance. Let me give you another one, anxiety. Anxiety, this fear for what will be. This imaginative, detailed fear. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be bad. And so we say, yeah, God is with me. If God is for me, who can be against me? And I know God has the ability to turn all things together for good, and yet we get triggered, and in a moment we find ourselves bowing at the altar of anxiety. Now, I'm not here to condemn the the tendency we can have towards bowing to arrogance. I'm not here to condemn in any way the tendency we can have to bow towards anxiety. I'm simply here to highlight that we are in the same type of proposition where the world we live in is constantly trying to get us to bend a knee. Believe in God all you want, but just don't believe in God enough to live like it. Like say you believe whatever you want, wear the jersey, do your thing. But when it comes down to it, you need to know this, God doesn't care. So bow to that altar of anxiety. Let me give you another one. It's called apathy. I believe that what I do matters. I believe that I'm created with purpose. I believe that God has a plan and a design for my life. But being apathetic feels good. And it's easy to be triggered and to look and say, well, no one else is working hard either. Why not just take a knee? Let me give you another one, a lack of self-control. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And so if what I want to do is do things for God, I'll do it. But when I don't want to, I will do what I want to do when I want to do it. And so, so we've got these ominous figures. They're not 90-foot gold statues, but we have triggers that lead us to the same old type of thinking where we find ourselves bowing a knee to arrogance or anxiety or apathy or a lack of self-control or the list could go on and on and on. I'm looking for a church, for a group of people to be the type of people who would say, I don't just talk about it. I want to be about it. Like, like when arrogance triggers me, I want to be the type of person. I'm not bound to arrogance. I'm standing strong on the fact that like, God is on my side. Let me prove it to you in Scripture, okay? First, first Peter chapter uh, 5. We'll go back to the rest of this story in a moment. But let me just show you this in Scripture. All four of these, uh, these ominous figures are, are mentioned here in First Peter chapter 5. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, that's speaking of anxiety, because he cares for you. Be alert, that's speaking to apathy, and be of sober mind, that's speaking to a lack of self-control. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. 
Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is also undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, in Christ, after you had suffered just a little while, will himself restore you, he'll make you strong, he'll make you firm, he'll make you steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Here's what happens when arrogance starts to trigger you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because he wants to lift you up. When anxiety tries to trigger you, cast your cares on him. Oh, but I have to do it every day. Yep. Got to do it every hour. Okay. Like it says, all your cares. It's not just cast your Monday cares upon him. Cast your most recent cares upon him, all of them. Be alert. Oh, but I'm tired. Yeah, but be alert. Yeah, but I don't feel it. But be alert. Be watchful. Be ready. Be intentional. Be engaged. When you're triggered to just say, you know what, I'm just going to cruise through this season of my life. I'm not worth anything anyway. Yes, you are. Get up. Wake up. Be up. Stand up. Don't bow to that knee of apathy. Be the type of person that is sober-minded enough to not say, I'm just going to follow my passions in the moment. Whatever feels right, we'll do it. I'm going to live instead on conviction. So here's three things about, about what it'll take to stay standing. And with this, we'll close. Number one, stand on a promise. Stand on the promise. What's the promise that we see here in 1 Peter? The promise is this. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do you know God's intention and desire for you is not to press you down, but actually to lift you up? It's not to hold you back. It's actually to lift you up. It's not to prove to you how small you are. It's actually to lift you up. And like Hananiah, who was favored by God, and Michelle, who showed the glory of God, and and Azariah, who showed that God was his helper, God wants to be the same for you and I that we would not be reduced just to what we do and who we know and how we compare, but to the God who is on our side. So stand on that promise. When arrogance tempts you, stand on that promise. When anxiety tempts you, stand on that promise. Whatever it takes. Number two, stand together. It's part of the reason why we gather together. Part of the reason why we choose to be together is you're not alone. You say, well, kind of I am. Like no one else can face exactly what I'm facing right now. No one else knows the exact nuance of what I'm feeling. True. But we're standing with you. We're also suffering similar things. We're also maybe experiencing totally different things. But there's something to be said about knowing that you're not alone. Whatever you're facing today, it's not outside of the the realm of, of what God knows or sees or has planned for or has a beautiful plan in. God's on your side. Stand together. Number three, stand no matter what. Stand no matter what. Come what may, stand no matter what. You see, you'll notice this, that faith in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't say this, King, we're not going to bow, and you can't do anything about it. We're not going to bow, and you can't even put us in that fire if you want, because God won't let you. You see, that would be a faith that's fire insurance. If I just have faith in God, God will never let anything bad happen to me. I mean, that sounds great, but if you believe that, i got a bridge to sell you. Like, I, seriously, I got some real estate to sell to you. I, I, got, I have royalty in another part of the world who wants to leave you some money right now, and they'll send you an email if you want. Like, like if you're naive enough to think that faith is going to keep you from suffering, then you have not understood. It's not fire insurance. Instead, faith is fireproof. Faith is not about keeping you out of hard things. Faith is about saying, I'm going to get through this. Faith is not about, I'll never have to suffer. Faith is, this suffering will not define me. God will go before me. God will go with me. So here's what happened to Shadrach. And the king gets mad. He ties them up, and he has them thrown into the fire. 
This is a bad fairy tale. This would make a terrible Disney movie. Like, like good things are supposed to happen to good people, am I right? Like, good things are supposed to be in store for people who, who, who make the right choices. Does God miss the plot line here? No, faith is not fire insurance. Faith is fireproof, and it's often proven in the fire. And so they're bound hand and foot. They're thrown into the fire. The Bible says this, that the fire was so hot that even the ones who threw them in there died from the flames. And they're in the fire, bound, unable to move. They're stuck. And the Bible says this. Look at what Nebuchadnezzar says, Daniel chapter 3. You know, I turned to First Peter. Should have kept a bookmark in Daniel. But here I am. It says this. Check it out. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 24 says this, Then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. He asked his advisors, Weren't there three men who were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. And he said, But look, I see four men walking around in the fire. They're unbound and they're unharmed. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. So Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their body, nor the hair upon their head was singed, nor were their robes scorched, nor did they even smell like the fire themselves. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they defied the king's command, and they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other god except their god. See, check out what happens. Yeah, they went through the fire, but Jesus met them there. Yeah, they went through the fire, but they didn't have to do it alone. You know what's interesting? The Bible doesn't say if they were aware. They might have been. just doesn't say. It doesn't say if they knew. They're like, oh, yo, Jesus, what are you doing in here? Crazy, because you like, haven't even been born yet. Still a couple thousand years before you're born. What are you doing here? Like, why'd you show up here? It do, I don't know if they were aware, but God was with them. And I have had seasons in my life where I felt alone, but I look back and I'm like, oh, Jesus was there. I've had seasons in my life that should have scorched me and devoured me, but I look back and I'm like, oh, there was someone looking out for me. Anyone else share a story like that? You see, Jesus will meet you in the fire. There's some people right now, you're doing everything possible to try to, to subscribe to some type of fire insurance. Whatever I have to do to just get out of pain, whatever I have to do to just get out of discomfort, whatever I have to do to make sure that life will be easy, there is not that fast, that, that fast sale. I don't know what it is, but I know this, that, that faith is fireproof, and faith is proven in the fire, and Jesus will meet you there. And the only thing that they lost in the fire was the thing that bound them. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.